Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Hebrews 11, verse 32. We spoke in the morning hour about the two different, the brothers, three sets of brothers. And then, really, we spoke more about many other sets of brothers that were good sets and ones that the Lord blessed. Well, I'd like to just plain speak to about two different men tonight, and I'm praying we'd get some encouragement out of these two great heroes of the faith. Now, forever remember, if God, whatever God calls somebody, that's what they are. And God calls both of these men uh, great heroes of the faith. So we can learn from their good points. I'm not going to especially, unless the Lord leads us that way, dwell on their weaknesses tonight. And uh, so I just sense that the Lord is directing us that we need to learn how to be great for God. Don't you want to be something great for God? Why just be an average soldier in Uncle Sam's army? Why not be, as the Bible says, a good soldier of Jesus Christ in the, your regular walk for, for God, in your place of employment? If, if you're a, a cook at home, a housewife at home, why just be an average housewife? Why not be a, a good housewife, the best you can be to your children and to your husband and to those that visit your home? I mean, why just be an average cook if you can be uh, an exceptional cook? Not that people would praise you, but when you take your uh, peace offerings to people or you take your uh, love offerings to people, that they come out saying, boy, that, that lady can really cook because you determine you're going to try to be a good cook for the Lord or whatever you're doing for the Lord. Uh, I think about Mrs. Buhorn and the and the, the, the Scriptures out here. You know, there's certain jobs we can give to certain people, and they do them conscientiously. You can sense that they pray over what they do, and they're diligent about changing those verses out there. You know, I mean, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. What you do, just be a, be the, a good one. Be uh, the best you can be for the Lord. And that's what I'd like to really dwell on tonight. If you're going to be a preacher, uh, be the best preacher you can be. If you're going to be a prayer warrior, then by all means, learn how to pray and then determine to spend a lot of time praying. And so you say, by the way, you might say, well, I can't be good at everything. And that may well be true. You may not be very good at anything. But you could be good at a couple things or the best in faithfulness in certain duties. And so I hope you might learn that from these two characters, Bible characters tonight. I would like to mention, lest I forget, there's a great deal of Scripture given over to David. And then there's a, a good deal of information given also about Samson. There's a lot of information, four whole chapters given over to him. And that's, I believe, the most in all of the judges four whole chapters about his life, his birth, his mother, his father, and uh, his great strength, and on and on. So uh, I could maybe entitle the message, uh, Don't You Want to Be Great for God? Don't you want to 
uh, hear that, well done thou good and faithful servant. Now, other people may not think you're good and faithful, but as long as God does. And as long as you've known, you know you've done your best. And God will be pleased. Hebrews 11 and verse 32. You've already found your place. Stand with me, please, in honor to the Word of God as we read just this 32nd verse in unison. And we're going to... I have all of those circled in my Bible. You don't have to do that or underline them. You don't have to do that. But I have already Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David... Samuel, I have all those circled in my uh, Bible in chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 32. But let's just read the verse together in unison as we uh, speak God's Word, read God's Word together. And what shall I say more, more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Special emphasis on Samson and David. Father, bless the Word of God. This is not the words of men. This is the Word of God. And so may we not treat it like the words of men. May we treat this portion of Scripture and the whole totality of the Bible as the very Word of God, for that's what it is. We ought to revere the book. Dear Lord, if the Bible even says that our wives are to reverence their husbands, how much more should we reverence the book, the Holy Bible, the Word of God, that which brings us to saving faith in Christ. Have thy way, we pray tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It says time would fail to tell of these different great ones. Well, Brother Williams, come back. Good to see you, brother. Didn't know if you'd been in another country. Bless the Lord. He got out of the field for a little bit. Thank the Lord. Good to see you. He's always got a smiling face. Some of you all could learn from that. You know, every day is not wonderful as it, you would seem by looking at Brother Williams' face. But we could learn to smile. Amen. That'd be a great help to us. All right. We're in Hebrews 11:32. I want to say first of all, Samson had great faith. That is what the Bible says and God says about Samson. He had great faith. Then I want to say another thing, he had great strength. You remember it was a young lion that rose up against him and he took that young lion and just just grabbed it by the the beard and just 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 made it, it was he just ran it like a little kid of the goats, a little baby goat and just put that putty cat to sleep. But it was a young lion. And he killed that young lion. By the way, these two great men of the Bible that we're speaking about tonight, they both killed the lion. David, who went before and went and took Goliath and killed Goliath, that great giant, probably eight or nine feet tall, probably nine foot something, if a cubit is 18 inches or around that. And so he also, he went out after Goliath, after he told Saul, he said, I killed the bear and I killed the lion and I'll take care of this uncircumcised Philistine. 
By the way, as David was running at that giant, he told him, he said, I'm going to take your head off. I'm sure old soldiers all heard David talking. And he ran at that giant. He wasn't afraid of him. God had already told him it was already in the bag. Amen? When he got his head and chopped his head off, he didn't let go of it. They took him back to the king, and he still had Goliath's big head. I wonder if he did that with the bear and the lion earlier. I don't know, but he got his prey, didn't he? He went out and rescued the lambs. By the way, David going and killing Goliath, when he killed Goliath, he was helping the sheep of God. He was helping those that were trembling and afraid of this big giant. And God's army should not have been trembling. But the thing is, Saul had already done some things that were wrong. And he was trembling in fear. He'd offered up the sacrifices which he should not have done. Saul, the first king of Israel, offered it up because he wouldn't wait for Samuel to come. And then he spared Agag and he spared the Amalekites. And Amalek is always a type of the flesh. They came up and when, e when they came out of Egypt's bondage, Amalek came up and hit them from behind. The flesh always comes up and grabs you and tries to catch you from behind when you least expect it. By the way, something else about Sam Samson and David is they had the same problem in their day. They had problem with the Philistines. Gath of the Philistines. Goliath. And then the Philistines were the problem and they are, you need to look at that, them in the Bible. And they always are like Amalek. They all, they're a type of the flesh. You just can't get rid of that crowd, it seems like. They always keep popping up and causing trouble. That's the, that's the Philistine, sure enough. And so Samson, he's, he's got great faith. And then he's got great strength. Great strength. As he took the gates of the city, the bars and all, and ran, I don't know, and ran or trotted, whatever he did, as many miles as he did. Great strength for God. Took the jawbone of an ass, the Bible says, and slew a thousand men. thousand men. Great, great strength that Samson had. Then Samson at his death. I don't have it here, but he had a great death too. He took, those, he took some of those wicked Philistines with him, didn't he? And he pushed out and he, he pushed the uh, pillars out and the whole house came down and killed 3,000. He did more in his death than he did in his life in regard. So I, believe, I don't believe that Samson killed, I don't believe Samson killed as many as 3,000 in his life because it said he did more in his death than in his life. And he killed the 1,000, you remember? And then he set the, the, uh, the foxes and tail to tail and threw them out there. How in the world he ever catch 300 foxes? I'd like to see you catch one fox. I don't care how fast you are on your feet. And Samson was filled with the Holy Ghost of God's supernatural agility, supernatural speed, supernatural power. How in the world, the world could you even find 300 foxes? I'm telling you, that's a lot of foxes, friends. And then to handle them, he handled them just like he handled that lion that he killed. The power of God was on Samson. He was spirit-filled. He had great strength. And then we have great courage. I believe that Samson had great courage. You know, uh, that was told uh, Joshua, be strong and of a good courage after Moses died. You know, in this fight, being a good soldier of Jesus Christ, being like Samson and being like David, you're going to have to ask God for courage. Courage to fight the Lord's battles. It's not an easy road when you're serving God. 
And so he had great courage. Then he had a great prayer. He said, when did Samson pray? He prayed at the end of his life, I'll tell you. He said, Lord, give me my strength back. Just give me one more time that I may avenge, uh, have be avenged of my eyes. By the way, I want you to know another thing. Samson fulfilled the, the, the prophecy for his life. He will begin to deliver the children of Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Are you going to fulfill what God would like in your life? He, he didn't deliver them completely. He began to deliver them out from under the Philistines. And he fulfilled his life. Another thing is, he had great, uh, great obedience. Great obedience. He was obeying God. I really believe this. He was, he, this was no game to Samson. Being a, a one-man machine, a one-man warrior. He, he, was, he was obedient to God. God had commissioned him to take the Philistines on single-handedly. I mean, you see, nobody helping him. <laughs> nobody. Even our lovely Lord Jesus had twelve apostles. Amen? And sent out the seventy. Samson, you see, nobody helping Samson. He was the strongest man in the world that ever lived. And, and he was just a dynamic powerhouse for God. And he said, I'll just do it all myself. And anybody that messed with him got in trouble. Amen? I want you to know another thing. His obedience, it was God's will for Dagon, who was, when they made sport of him three times, I mentioned this the other week, three times it says in that portion, they made sport of Samson. You know what that means? They made fun of him. They made him like a clown. They made sport of the Lord Jesus as well. Blindfolded him and slapped him. But Samson was made fun of. But it wasn't long until the walls and the whole house came tumbling down. And they quit their sporting and their mocking of the God of Samson. See, as they were mocking God's man, Samson, they were mocking the God of Samson. For God was the one who gave him his strength. He was obedient, I believe, to the commission in the overall part of his life. Then he had great separation. He was never to partake of the alcohol, the grapes, the fruit of the vine. He was a Nazarite. All his days. There are very few in the Bible who were Nazarites their whole life. Many of them took the Nazarite vow for a period of time. Some think that Paul even did that. There in Jerusalem. But Samson was a Nazarite all his days. He was given over to God like Samuel and like John the Baptist. All his days were going to be God's days. All his strength was God's strength. He was a man of separation. He was not to touch dead bodies. Wasn't he a lively soul? I mean, Samson. Can you just look at his life? He was just a bundle of energy. Power. Then, of course, he didn't cut his hair. And this was a sign to others of the Jews, to his own people, that he was separated unto God for a certain service for the Lord. Couldn't touch dead bodies. Could not eat. Even in, even in his eating and drinking. Listen, he could not eat the grapes even. He could not even eat the grapes nor drink the juice that might make him drunk. Amen? I mean, all his days, he's not to partake of it. 
That was the same with John the Baptist, and I believe the same with Samuel. Dedicated unto the Lord. Nazarite. Great man of separation. Are you a great Christian of separation? Does everybody know you're a Christian? Where you're with your friends, you say, well, they don't know yet. Well, you make sure they do know in the future. Amen? You let them know. You don't have to be a loud mouth like Pastor Harvey. Things will come up and you'll have to take your stand for Christ. And you don't, you can just take a sweet, gracious, strong stand for Jesus and say, I'd appreciate it if you don't curse my Lord. I love Jesus. He just saved me. And that would maybe do better than some of us who would really give them down the river anyhow. Amen? Make them feel like an idiot in a nice, kind, loving way. But anyhow, you'll have to stand for Christ. You need courage. And you need separation. He was great in his separation. I believe he was great in his lack of fear of man. I don't see that Samson feared anybody but God. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And what? The fear of man bringeth a snare. I don't think I I think that could that could be a good area for Pastor Harvey. Sometimes I get out there and these people they look so some of these people look so dignified and uh, or they're in their uniforms out there on the fort. And I, I tell you, sometimes we shouldn't cower to them. I'm not saying we should be brazen to them either, but we ought to be bold as a lion. You know what Paul said? Paul said, pray that with all boldness I may preach forth his word. Who had any more boldness than Paul? <laughs> but he said, oh, I still need boldness. Boldness. We shouldn't fear man. I, I, feared, I feared man in boot camp. Maybe you weren't young, young enough to fear but I, when I was in Navy boot camp, I don't know, I just had fear. I feared God more. I feared God more. When they wanted me to give to a certain fund that I thought was wrong, I said, sir, I'd appreciate not giving that money to the United Fund at that time because I felt like the United Fund at that area, some of my money wasn't being used right. So the captain, the commander says, well, we want 100% around here. He said, won't you even give a penny? I said, no, sir. I, he, said, well, what do you, he said, what do you do with your money? I said, I, said I, give, I give all my money to my church back home, sir. He said, well, do you care if I give for you? I said, you can do anything you want, sir. All right, dismissed. Walked out of there, but I didn't give a penny. Hallelujah, I didn't give a penny. Amen. Then I remember when they threw the threw the quarter down on the on the table, the officers and I was an enlisted man in the hospital corps and that captain or that whatever he was he he threw that down there, and uh, I picked up the the quarter and walked out. He said, "Go get me a pack of old golds, cigarettes." Walked outside of the door because I was so used to obeying orders, and the Lord said, "Listen, you you promised me a long time ago you would never handle alcohol or cigarettes." The Lord spoke to my heart. I didn't hear him audibly, but he spoke to my heart. And I said, yes, Lord. So I walked back into the office there and said, sir, I'd appreciate it if you don't require me to do that because I promised God a long time ago as I was a young Christian that I wouldn't handle alcohol or cigarettes, sir. Okay, that's fine. You're dismissed. Just take your stand for God. 
You don't have to be a, a, a wise guy at it either or a, a smart aleck. Just obey the Lord. Be obedient to God and God will be with you and it will strengthen you for later times when you have to stand and it's even more difficult than that stand. Just follow your God-given conscience. By the way, another Christian maybe could have given to the United Fund at that time, but I couldn't because I'd heard that some of that money was not was misused until today I don't want to give a penny of my money to something that's wrong. You say, well, didn't you put some money in the Salvation Army bucket yesterday or the day before? Yes, I did. But I've just heard too much good about the Salvation Army and they, do, they don't charge for anything and they do give to poor people. Amen? And if, if the Lord told me there's something wrong about the Salvation Army, then I wouldn't give them. But I don't give the bulk of my money there. I give the bulk of my money to God and to missionaries because I know where that money's really going. You say what I'm saying? Just obey the Spirit of God. Just do what God tells you to do. The fear of man. I believe that Samson had a lack of the fear of man. I don't, I don't know if it was in his vocabulary to fear people. I know. He was courageous. And then another thing is, Samson had a hatred for God's enemies. Those that were against the people of God and the God of the people, his people, he was against them. And everybody knew it. You say, how do you know? He was out there going and getting them. <laughs> he was out there, you know, if he'd have had a, a, a machine gun or whatever, boy, he'd have been mowing them down, wouldn't he? But he had the jawbone of an ass and he took a thousand. That's pretty good with, with one instrument like that. I think he, he deserved to be out of breath and need a drink of water when he got through with that one. A thousand men. I don't believe there's another one in the whole Bible that says that he single-handedly killed a thousand men. That's a lot of men. Soldiers! They were no match for God Samson. No match for him. And then he had a great all-out assault on the enemies of God. A great all-out assault on that which was evil and those people that were evil. Then he had a great tenderness toward, toward God and toward his people. He had a great tenderness. You never see him killing the, the, the ones of Judah. You don't see him taking them to task. You don't see him uh, opening his mouth against his own people. If they didn't understand him, that's their business. Maybe they didn't understand. I know they didn't. When Judah, they took, wasn't it 3,000 or 2 or 3,000 of Judah, and they took Samson and they tied him up, and they were giving him to the Philistines? But just like the lion roared against Samson, so... Those Philistines roared against Samson. They shouted against Samson. You don't do that with Samson. The power of God came on him and he got that jawbone of the ass and that was the end of them. They said, we'll just leave Samson to someone else. But he didn't say anything rebuke that I know of at all to those of Judah, his own people. He just figured that if they don't understand me, they don't understand me. But God's on me and I'll take them on single-handedly. What a man he was. He was a man of faith. Great faith will produce great feats and great acts for God. But he had great tenderness. I don't know why, but I sense it as I read of Samson, he had great joy in living and fulfilling the God's will in his life. I kind of sense that 
he, he, he didn't have much trouble making fun of God's enemies. I kind of sense a little sense of humor there as he's laughing at these people that are trying to, that are industriously laughing at his God. He says, just tackle me again. We'll see what happens. I'll tell you. Don't you think it was kind of, don't you think it was kind of exciting to Samson as he was taking those foxes tail to tail and putting a firebrand? How in the world did he do it? He put his foot on the head of the one fox and on the head of the other fox and put their tails together and then he had to get a firebrand. I mean, he was a moving out, friend. Where were the other 300? Where did he keep them? You want to put 300 foxes into a cage somewhere? I don't know how he did it, friends, but the Bible said he did it. And I think he was kind of saying, boy, isn't this fun. <laughs> See those fields, those harvest fields of the Philistines. I'm going to set your fields on fire like Joab's fields. Amen. Or Joab set the fields on fire. Whatever. In the other part of the Bible. I believe he had a joy in living and fulfilling God's will for his life. Are you like that? Do you have a joy in living? Is every day just a big plague to you? You need to learn to enjoy the life that God has given you. It's a joy to be a Christian. It's a, it's a thrill to see what God's going to do next in my life. That's the way you ought to be. I've always been like that. I mean, I even, to some degree, I was very difficult to enjoy boot camp. That was one of the low points in my life. But at least they made me the Protestant lay leader. But the Lord led me to go and join the Navy. So if the Lord led me, I don't think I did that on my own. I was saved. I knew the Lord. They were probably going to get me in the draft anyhow. But, I mean, I didn't join because of some recruiter. I joined because I believe God wanted me to join the Navy. And so the Lord will have to take care of everything after I get in it. And he did. That didn't mean I didn't have trials and tests, but the Lord led me this way. I enjoyed the first two years of my enlistment. I enlisted for four years, and then they kept me four years and four months because of the Vietnam crisis. But the first two years I really enjoyed. Now, the last two I kind of endured. And then I got married. I got lonely, and then I got married. That helped my loneliness. That departed. It just flew out the window. The Lord can take care of your prayer requests. I mean, all you need is a wife, and then in less than nine months, David was there right at nine months, a little early. My mother-in-law, you know, she was saying, she's counting the days, you know. She knew it had to be exactly nine months. It doesn't have to be. They've already told Patty, amen, that she's probably going to deliver in April. Right on my birthday, I suppose. Maybe the first of April, even before my birthday. But that's way early because she's having triplets. So, you know, Grandma was right on most things, but she wasn't right on that one. I, I didn't touch her daughter at all. Amen. Amen. I need the truth. I waited till after marriage to do that. That'd be a good idea for you all. Hmm? Come on. You better teach your boys and girls that too. Joy in living. Just enjoy life. And then last in regard to Samson is great. He was just plumb great for God. Well, I've got two others that I added in. I believe he had a great zeal. We preached on 
being eat up with the zeal of God the other Sunday. Eat up with zeal. We need to be zealous. I believe that Samson was zealous. There was a lazy bone in his body in reality. He was very industrious. And then he was he had great endurance in ridicule and hatred and misunderstanding. He had great endurance. The Bible says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You will not be a real good Christian 10 and 20 and 30 years from now if the Lord doesn't come back. You will not be unless you learn to endure hardness. Life is not, my father said, my earthly father said, life is not a bowl of cherries, Jack. It's not all whipped cream and banana splits all the time. There's a lot of problems in this life. And as some of you enter marriage, you better realize that. Did you hear that? You had problems before you got married. Why shouldn't you have problems after you get married? I think the women really dream, don't you? You, you ladies better make sure your girls don't dream too much. They come down to real life. When you can't pay the bills, it gets kind of rough. Or you don't know how they're going to get paid. Or, or when you, your, your automobile blows up. Or your house gets... What, what if your house had caught on fire? You didn't have the and you didn't renew the insurance and you forgot about it. There's still a God around. You let your insurance on your car lapse and then you had a bad wreck. God hasn't died. He's maybe trying to teach you faith. There was a day in America when nobody had insurance. They had to trust God, didn't they? They had to trust God to touch the hearts of others to help them rebuild their house. Or somehow pay, give you enough money to buy another horse. Or beast, if your your cow that pulled the plow, your steer that pulled the plow, ox, whatever, died on you. You know what? It, you know it was really good for America when people were almost all farmers. Did you know that? Then you had to trust God for the right rain and sunshine, the right weather. You had to trust God to keep your animals alive. That they wouldn't get some dread disease and you walk out there and there's, there's, uh, your horses are all dead, laying there dead. Well, you ought to be around cows and livestock. It maybe make us, our faith in Christ increase a little bit. All we worry about is if the dog dies. But what if your beast, of, your beast that pulls the plow dies? And your horse that takes you to the church house dies. Your babies get sick and there's not this medical, these uh, hospitals and medical facilities in those olden days. It was time to pray, friends. There was no other answer. Your baby was sick. Or your wife was sick. Or you were sick. Or your beasts were sick. I want to get to David now. I have the same number for David. Uh, David had great faith. Secondly, he was a great commander. I mean, he, he knew how to command the troops. Now, he did it himself with Goliath. He started out after he'd taken care of the bear and the lion. You know what he said there also? He said, the Lord delivered me out of the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion. And He'll deliver me out of that Goliath." That Philistine, that uncircumcised, wicked, God-cursing devil, I'll take his head off. 
Just like God delivered me out of the paw of the bear. You want to tangle with a bear, son? I wouldn't want to. I don't think I'd want to be out hunting bear. I don't know if I'd want to even try that. You say, well, you've got a good gun. Yes, and I hope it wouldn't jam too. <laughs> you know, bears, they are vicious. And lions? He had great courage like Samson. David had great courage. He took care of the lion, the bear, and Goliath. Then he had a great love for God in the Bible. We see that in the Psalms. He loved the Word of God. He loved the house of God. He had a great love for God's people. And then David was great in obedience. He was great in compassion. Even toward his enemies. Many that tried to get David. Was he not compassionate with Saul when he could have killed Saul? And he was, he was, he was being chased like a fox by a bunch of hunters. And he was hiding all the time. But he did not try to get back and strike back. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. He said, I know that Saul someday will fall in battle and God will take care of Saul. But he did despair a little bit. He even went over in the gath, you remember, and feigned himself. But I believe David, overall, he was a man of great love for uh, God's people and great compassion, even for his enemies. Remember when Absalom, his own son, came on against him? You say, that was because of his sin. I, I know it was, but that could happen to you. I mean, that could happen to you. How are you going to do? Are you going to be loving and forgiving like David? That one fellow, Shimei, was going up and down and cursing David. And everybody said, go take his head off. David said, just leave him alone. The Lord take care of him. I think David right there thought... I think maybe he needs to curse a little more and, and holler at us a little more because of my sin. Just leave him alone. I believe that David was a great giver of praise to God. Do you spend a lot of time praising God? You know, the, the, the sure remedy for griping and complaining and murmuring is praising God. Just thank God you're alive. Amen? Two days ago, I did my 50 push-ups. And I could have done a whole bunch more. Not a whole bunch. About 60. But I did my 50 push-ups. And about two weeks ago, I did 58, my, my age. I said, I'll just do, try to do 58. I couldn't believe it. I could have done 60. And my son and everybody's, well, don't overdo it, Dad. And then I tell the nurses that, and they say, no, no, you know what they, they want you to have exercise levels, and nobody discourages you in the medical field. They know you need exercise. They figure if you're going to die, just die doing push-ups. <laughs> Not a one of them said, don't do that. But my children, they all do. No, I just thank God you have any strength at all. Get out of bed in the morning. You young ones, you ought to thank God you don't have arthritis in some of your body. Because you'll get it. You live long enough. And then you need to thank God for ibuprofen. Thank God for aspirin. Thank God for all these medications you can take. 
colloidal silver and all that, anything. Just thank God for all that medication and vitamin E and vitamin tablets and all. We've got everything today. Years ago, what they did, they either had an aspirin or a, a goodie powder or whatever those things were, or they just plumb hurt until they dropped into the hole. I'll tell you what, thank God for everything. Thank God for hospitals. Thank God for doctors. I, I hear some people, and all they do is they gripe and complain about the VA hospital up here. I'm thankful they'll even take me in. Amen. Say, what about Darnell? That's the greatest, that's the greatest and biggest baby factory in the whole world. Amen. 300 babies, they average over 300 babies a month. Isn't that what it is? That's quite a few. 300 babies a month. Thank God that that many live that are over there that are born. At least they ought to know what they're doing over there if they have that many. It's not some special thing happening. <laughs> really, I think we need to be very cautious that we gripe and complain about the medical care we get. When years ago, my, people didn't have the knowledge that they have. Just thank God that a doctor will see you at all. Will I have to wait in line? Thank God for a line to wait in. Thank God that they'll give you free medication. Just thank the Lord. In everything, give thanks. Great giver of praise. And then David had a great prayer life. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice, says in Psalm 55, David says. Do you pray three times a day? I believe David was a great prayer, a man of prayer. He knew how to pray three times a day. By the way, that's the same number of times that Daniel prayed. And there was the evening and the morning sacrifice every day in the Jewish faith. And they were going up, Peter and John were going up at the ninth hour, being the hour of prayer with the beautiful man at the gate, uh, at the beautiful gate, the invalid man. Uh, when are you going up to the place of prayer at the hour of prayer? Sweet hour of prayer! Sweet hour of prayer! It calls me from a life of care. I was up this morning early and 4.30. No, I got up a couple minutes before the alarm went off, so I clicked it off and got up. See, if you don't get to bed early enough in the, in the evening, you can't get up in the morning. It was true when I was young like you all. You've got to get to bed at a sensible hour. And even then I have to walk in the morning as I pray. And I did something last night, um, this morning, that I, didn't, I haven't done in a long time. And man, it got to be two hours. And I prayed for two hours and walked and talked to God for two hours. And I said, man, love, I might as well just walk and pray almost till uh, 7.30, 4.30, 5.30, I said, man, it's been two hours already. I, maybe It wouldn't be a bad idea to just pray three hours. And uh, I don't think I made the full three hours. Uh, but I made a two and a half, and then I jumped in bed, and I prayed while I was in bed, praying not to wake my wife up because she has sleeping problems all, all night long. Why don't you thank God you don't have sleeping problems? 
Why don't you thank God that you didn't have a brain tumor like my wife? She's up all night long sometimes. And I'm no help to her at all. I'm over there. I can't help it. If I sleep so well, I just can't help it. But thank God I don't have a sleeping disorder. All I do is get up and get, get her some more pills. None of, some of them work, and then they don't work. And oh, my, it's really something. Then I go up and get her the her bed buddy, and I put her bed buddy in the microwave. And got that from Mrs. Hammonds, I think. And then had to put the bed buddy over her legs because her, her feet hurt in the morning or at night sometimes. And, and uh, But I tell you, it wouldn't hurt us to, it wouldn't hurt us to, to spend uh, two or three hours in prayer. It sure won't hurt us. Maybe it'll be just what we need. If Sam Jones prayed all night before, and people were all after him and against him in every which way, we read this to the men last night in the prayer time. And Sam Jones, oh, everybody was after him, and so he stayed up, and they were trying to hurt him, and so he, he, he went by these, all these, this foliage there on, on the porch or the roof or whatever it was, and he stayed there until... His wife went to bed and she woke up in the morning and he'd never changed his clothes and he'd never gone to bed and in the morning he was still praying. But praise God, at 6 o'clock in the morning when 2,500 men met to, met to hear from God and before long the whole town got saved. God answers prayer. And I believe he was great giving of himself to God. He was a man after God's own heart, the Bible says. David, great giving of his means to God. You remember, he wouldn't even take the burial place for nothing in different times. He said, no, I won't do anything that does not cost me. He didn't want any freebies. He said, I'm the king and I'll pay for what I... I'll pay. It's only right. And he, they offered it to him for nothing. He had some honor about himself. He was a great giver. And then you know what else? I got almost through now, so hang on. He was a great musician. Did you know David was a great musician? I was reading it, and Saul was having problems the, 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 when he when he done wrong against God about Agag and so forth earlier about offering the sacrifice, and that was only for the priests to do. And he he intruded into the priest's office. Didn't wait for Samuel. And so a bad spirit from the Lord came upon him. And he said, who can I get to come? Who is skillful in playing instruments? And they said, oh, there's David. And he's a valiant man. Maybe they'd heard about him killing the bear. And killing the other. Or maybe that was after uh, Goliath. I don't know. But I know one thing. The Bible says they picked him because he skillfully played the harp. He wasn't just an amateur. He knew how to play that harp. What David did, he did well, didn't he? And David was a great psalm writer. He wrote beautiful hymns. He was not only a great instrumentalist. doesn't say he was a great vocalist, but he was a great musician. And he made up psalms. And we have them right in our Bible. This is the songbook. The Psalms is the songbook of the Bible. 
Don't you think music is, is important to God? I think so if we put the whole psalm of the book of Psalms and it's the hymn book for the Bible. And if they sang the, Mo, the song of Moses after the Red Sea came in on them and they sang the song of Deborah after Barak killed all those other ones, I'll tell you what, when we have a great victory and the enemies of God are defeated, we need to sing His praises too. When some of these people get put in the gas chamber or the electric chair and they're finally killed, I think we need to sing a praise to God. When justice is finally done, Bin Laden is taken. Amen? Put in there with all those wild boars. Amen? Let them chew him up. And everybody, all of God's people will sing praises to God. Why? Because we want to see people die? No, we'd rather that they repent and trust Christ. But very, very wicked people need to die a very violent death. God tells us that because they were to be stoned to death publicly. When they did great deeds of evil, they were to be stoned publicly. Public capital punishment is God's for it. I have thought about in some of our Christian schools. I wonder if, you know, we always do this corporal punishment in the way in the in the in private places. I think sometimes if the if the kids especially are too bad, you know what they need to do? They need to say, "Come in here, come here, uh, little uh, Johnny, come up here." We want all the class to know how evil you are and how nasty you are. Now bend over in front of everybody and just wail the devil out. Then he won't come in so smart alecky in front of all of his mates. Know it all. That'll bring him down a little bit. That'll give him a, make him a choice. Isn't that what you do, Sergeant Major, when some guy acts up in the crowd? Get out here! Take a step forward, son! I want you all to know how crummy this guy is. He doesn't even know how to shave. He's a creep. He needs to take a bath, too. Don't they do that in the military? Come on now. And I'll tell you what, that fellow sure will determine he's going to do a little better shape. Because he knows it'll happen again. And nobody likes to be made fun of, but sometimes it's for our good. And really for God's glory. That we're... But oh, our whole society is against what I just told you. Our whole society has become soft. Soft. In those one-room schoolhouses, how did they handle discipline? There's only one teacher there. Get up here, Georgie. We'll show the whole class how, how strong you are and how mischievous you are. It would work. Well, you're not very loving. He wasn't very loving in disobeying the rules. And if he keeps disobeying the rules, he's going to go out and steal from someone and kill someone one day. You've got to stop him! And he's got to have a, ch a change of heart or he'll end up in the penitentiary and in hellfire if we don't stop him with God's help. He was a great musician. I don't know how that came into a great musician and a great writer, songwriter, but it's in there somewhere. All right. Uh, David also was, he was just plum great for God. And then I'm adding these others. He had great zeal. 
Great zeal. You don't see a laziness in David. He was, he was very zealous for God. And then our last point, he had great endurance. Great endurance. And we are to endure hardness as a good soldier. Don't you want to be, don't you want to be a better Christian? Don't you want the Lord to be able to look down and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. From the day you got saved, you were not perfect, but you sure worked at, at improving on these things like David and Samson. If you're weak in those areas, then shore up a little bit. By the way, don't forget your strong points, though. You may be strong. Sometimes your strong point can become your weakness. Be very careful. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man that ever lived. And yet he got angry with the people, and he did not go in the promised land. Watch out that your strong point does not become your weakness. You get careless in your strong point. No, you have to work on everything, all the time. Keep keeping yourself under. By the way, I was going to add another one there, and that's the matter of humility. I do believe, though they had their times when they were unbelievably courageous and everything, underlying, I believe they had a humility toward God, which helped them to be obedient. May God help us in these areas. Father, we love Thee. Thank Thee for Thy wonderful Word. Bless it, Lord. Help us in all things to glorify Christ. We pray it in His name.